Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Urbanized Podcast. My name is Wally Brown. I'm the CEO and principal planner over at Equity Urban. Today, I have the pleasure, the fortune of uh, interviewing the man, the myth, the legend, the planner, Victor Tran. Hello, Victor. Hi. Thanks for having me, Wally. Hey. Thanks for coming. <laughs> I gotta tell you something. What's up? I'm eating an El Pastor burrito. El and Pastor. I think you are also eating some delicious food over there. Yes. I have fried rice. Victor has a burrito. So I'm gonna yes. do a trigger warning to the folks that like um, have sensitive ears for chewing. This is the first <laughs> urbanized episode that we're doing over dinner. <laughs> and it's socially distant. But this is the first one. We'll see how it goes. Mm. We'll see how it goes. So with that, um, I'll eat my pineapple fried rice. Victor, can you tell us a little bit about you, about your current professional role, maybe any potential like public boards you may have been appointed to recently and mm -hmm. yeah, what you do? Yeah. Yeah, I'm Victor Tran. I go by he, him pronouns. I am originally from Canada, and I've been living in Portland for the past five years or so. And did my uh, grad program here in Portland and stayed since. And I currently work as an urban planner with a small consulting firm, <clears throat> excuse me, here in town called Cascadia Partners. So we're about 12 people or so and we do everything from um, larger district-wide GIS and analyzing um, to site-specific development feasibility, real estate, financial stuff, and public engagement. And I'm more on the real estate slash uh, urban design side. So I've been in this role for the uh, past two years or so, and um, I'm still learning a lot. Uh, outside of work, I really enjoy volunteering. I think it's just fun and part of my civic duty. Um, so I used to volunteer for the Multnomah County Library. And the I library. The library, yeah. One of the great public resources that are free to use and welcome to, to everybody. Um, but there I was part of a, a program that helped people get oriented with technology. And so it was called Tech Help. And a lot of seniors came, but it was also open to anyone from the public who had questions about how to use a phone or start an email account or questions about how to use the computer. <clears throat> and that was fun. And it was also multilingual in uh, Mandarin and so I got to practice that but mm. uh, COVID disrupted a lot of things the library shut down and since then I really haven't volunteered much up until recently where um, just yesterday I was appointed to the New Portlanders Policy Commission that started by the Office of Civic Life here in Portland to help orient new uh, refugee and immigrant groups to the city and get them oriented and and feel welcome basically is the main mission 
And so we're at a 24, 25 member board and nine of us were appointed yesterday. So that's very exciting. Mm. I'll have more updates <laughs> as time goes. Um, and the other volunteer thing I do time to time is I uh, spend time at the Japanese garden just answering questions that people have about what they're seeing or things to look out for. And I carry a little sketchbook with me um, when I do that. So that's a little bit about me. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, I remember the library had you booked all the time. Oh, <laughs> you got me. They got me. Yeah, they did get me booked. I'll book that. That's kind of <laughs> great. That's great. So you're a cool dude doing volunteer work. Um, let's see. What led you to... What led you to work in your position today? It can mm. either be like your work position or your volunteer position. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, kids. I'm scared. <laughs> Long time ago. Long time ago. I. Well. Okay. I, I'll just. I'll just start, and then feel free to you know interrupt me, and we'll kind of weave this story together. Okay. Um, I didn't know that urban planning was a profession until maybe like 2014, like my last year of undergrad. And where was your undergrad? That was in Alberta? No, this was in uh, Montreal, Quebec, where you spent some time also. Um, Les Québécois. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, I grew up in a, a, you know, a bigger city, Calgary, Alberta, which has over a million people, but it's a very suburban city. It's pretty sprawled. And I grew up right on the edge of the city in the suburbs. And wow. I, yeah, growing up, I, I didn't really think too much about cities. I didn't travel too much. I didn't question my transportation options to get to school or elsewhere. I just kind of made up in my mind, like, okay, like this is what people have to do. Sorry. I, I think you can probably hear the, my cat in the background. Hey, I'm crazy. <laughs> um, and so I, I, yeah, in my mind, I just firmed it up like, okay, this, this is what people do. Like they either have to drive everywhere or take the bus for like 45 minutes to get downtown. And then it wasn't until I moved to Montreal for my undergrad that I really got a sense of how a different space, a different city could be. And Montreal, for those of you who've been or visited or heard about, is a very um, urban city with many different cultural neighborhoods that are intact and you know, they go through their own waves of real estate and gentrification, but I, I really think back to the community that's fostered within the city there. And maybe it was a legacy of being a student or a reflection of that time, but I left Montreal with this sense of like, if you wanted to make a, a new friend every day for the rest of your life, you could do it in Montreal. It was, and I don't mean that in the sense of like, you actively trying and like forcing your way to do that. I mean, it more in the sense like the city was just set up 
in a way through the design, the cultural, the, the weaving of uh, different spaces and the use of parks and open space. It was integrated in such a way that just made it easy. It lowered the energy that you needed to expend to, uh, to forge these great social connections. And then I started thinking, exactly. Yeah. Did you get that? I'm curious too, what, what your, cause I think you spent more time in Quebec city or is it in Montreal? I spent a lot of time in Quebec. I spent some time in Montreal. Mm-hmm. I spent a few days there. Then I was in, uh, what's it? Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. And I was in, what is, what is near this Quebec, Montreal, Toronto. Then I was, I was over in Vancouver for a little bit too. Gotcha. So you covered the places. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh, what'd you say? Oh, I'm sorry. I was just saying you covered the the major cities there. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I know my Canada, Nova Scotia. (laughs) I know. But um, anyway, there was uh, wow. That really going to Quebec city, that changed my entire perception of transportation planning and like how we kind of how we don't do a lot of things like their route planning is it was it was just on another level like they leverage their like well it's actually portland kind of models i think portland has adopted a lot of the practices that quebec has also adopted i don't know if quebec was the inspiration but Hmm. they adopt a lot of it basically the idea of using residential streets as uh bike passageways Hmm. bike through ways instead of having to build dedicated uh trails for bikes it's both cost effective and it gives you a nice like separation of uh speeds and then uh i would always i'd go to downtown i would either take a bike i could rent a bike from the local university mm-hmm. i could mm-hmm. uh and i used to be a bike mechanic back then so like that was yeah. kind of i have mm-hmm. a bike i'd go around i just and i, I could get lost and I, it was easy for me to find out where i was because like things were ordered like even though they were in French and I was pretty good at speaking French at the time, <laughs> I could just find myself. Cause like all the streets made sense. There weren't like weird cuts mm-hmm. or weird curves. Like it was like a grid system that's like right. consistently been maintained. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, I, if I take a left, I just need to take a right to get back to where I was. <laughs> so that was cool. And Montreal was, that's definitely one of my favorite cities. Like, yeah, I think Busan in Korea is my favorite city in the world. Just for a lot of reasons, mm. stuff that happened there, the like the layout of it, the time that I went there, it was just it was the right time for me to go. Yeah, but Montreal, it was pretty dope. People, yeah. it's so human centered. People had grapes growing in the alleyways. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Alley grapes, and they yeah. weren't sketchy. They looked better than the supermarket grapes. <laughs> like, yeah, Montreal is like an active alley program where they incentivize these types of things. I think. Maybe not for, I don't know, for like growing vegetables or things like that exactly, but I think I do remember something around at least like activating those alley spaces for for use, you know, like public use, things like that. Yes, but, that is oh. the only city I was excited to go into an alleyway for. Like, it, <laughs> it's like having food be available there. Like, it, it would be weird to rob somebody right next to the line, line you know that'd be weird like hey give me money i need food like just, just take these groups man oh snap yeah no it's true i think that yeah the the pocket parks the 
community parks are just pretty abundant mm. in Montreal. And yeah, a lot of people on bikes and, oh man, I could go on forever, but it's, I think the the point I'm trying to make is that the more cities you go to, the more places you see, the more neighborhoods you come across, it just expands your spatial imagination. And I think as, yeah, and as a planner, I'm coming to realize more and more, you know, a lot of the times, depending on where we do our school or where we work, we, you know, this makes sense. We kind of replicate the, the codes and the thinking of that area. And not to say there's not cross a border sharing or like cross state um, sharing of ideas and stuff. There is, but I think it's really important as planners for us to keep thinking and questioning the spaces that we see and why they function the way they do. Why do they look the way they do? And a great way to do that is just to go visit some of these places if you can and yeah. uh, like feel it in your body. Like, what is it like to be in this space and why is it this way? It's incredible. Yeah. Did you, did you hear they're going to add the number four into the name Montreal? No. They're going to call it Montreal for all and they're going to give everybody. Oh, that's what's happening. Right. Their healthcare is yeah. crazy, man. I'm still wondering. You came down here. Uh, what am I doing? What am I doing? I gave up the healthcare. Oh wow. Sorry, my cat. My yeah. Every time she eats, she goes in a energy like frenzy and just rambles around the place. Wow. Um, late. What was that? Oh. Yeah, that was a bowl she flipped over. <laughs> was that her bowl? Yeah. She's like, I'm done. She's like, she's, yeah, she's going wild. But um, yeah, yeah. I, I think that, you know, it, speaking of food, it's, it's kind of like the difference between if you go to a restaurant, you eat the food, like it doesn't matter who you are, you're going to have a preference, right? Or at least 99.9% .9 of people will you know, they'll, they'll say, yeah, I like it, or I don't like it, or I like it because it's yeah. salty, but it probably needs a little bit more texture or whatever. Um, yeah. And for us planners, it's kind of the same. It's like, it's our job and our profession to study why, quote unquote, good spaces work and to figure out like, what are the ingredients? Why does it function the way it does? And the beautiful thing about this profession is that it expands beyond what we or what I typically think of as planning, which is like zoning code, regulation, mm -hmm. policy, things like that. But it's like, how does culture get infused? How do how does like the human psychology interweave with the space? And you take all those things together, the math and the science and the art, and you get like the space that we interact with every day. And that's yeah. beautiful to me. That's just like incredible. And so to be in this profession and at least study it from that perspective of trying to understand how to create better neighborhoods, better communities that serve people, it comes from that essence of like trying to understand why spaces work the way they do. And not all spaces are you know, good spaces for everyone so mm -hmm. that's kind of cool you know i get inspiration from astrologists 
because yeah. They, yeah, they study space. And I'm like, how can we activate these spaces? What? <laughs> uh, supernova. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> but I hear what you're saying. And I wish that, like, I feel like here inside the, like, once you start working in the machine, it becomes less of like, hey, how can I serve the people? Or it's like, hey, how can I continue getting money and like very generous retirement benefits and then like how can i how can i secure my nest egg instead of like how can i serve the people because like at a certain point serving the people i think means rotating who's in power it's like it's like disney pixar like disney pixar they really when they make their movies that's how they keep their ideas fresh that, that's one of the things that they do is they they will oh, rotate interesting. who's in power yeah in different parts of the throughout the life's throughout the life cycle of their strategic planning for the film and like directly, oh, uh -huh. like they will give different people like the project manager title. And that's I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. I really think yeah. like you need to model, if you want to plan for a city like that's human centered, like you need to rotate who's in power. Cause like a woman who's had a child is going to view ADA ramps completely different. Oh yeah. Been able-bodied their whole life and male. Versus mm -hmm. somebody who's blind versus someone who like has to navigate the world through a wheelchair or assisted device. Like once you go through that, then like, you know, and then like we all need those lenses. Absolutely. No, I think you hit it spot on. And that's why planning as a profession is so dynamic. It's like mm -hmm. not only the, this quote unquote science, like learning about zoning code or whatever, but it's, it's more human than I originally would think not having known what urban planning was or is there's this whole human side which makes sense it's like spaces are for people and in this profession i think at least in our region there's been more and more momentum growing to study how diversity equity and inclusion gets folded into our work mm. and that has like tremendous impacts for the end results and it, yeah, it's important for so many reasons, some of the ones that you mentioned there. And um, yeah, it's it's for the people and also it helps having the people as part of the, the process and the work and the profession to create those spaces. It's mm. like the most direct way to get input into the, the system for how these spaces should be structured is through your own lived experience and other people's own lived experiences okay yeah that's good mm -hmm. i'm about to put you on the hot seat victor all right i the seat has been warming up i've noticed okay <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite spot in portland oh wow great question one though <laughs> Ooh, boy um hmm. i have an idea of what it might be okay it me you might be we spend a lot of time together so you might you might guess this one but i would say in portland the city i there's a park that's really close to my house mm. um that's near uh that has an elementary school mm. on it and i'm blanking on the name but it's where all the swifts gather every year at chapman elementary yeah and the park is pretty big. It's like five, six acres. And um, it's got a dog park, a really big grassy field. It's got a soccer field and a hill. But I go there 
it's only like a 15 minute walk from my house uh. and it's nice to go and exercise or people watch or uh, just meet new people and get in touch with the community there. They also have a covered structure for when it rains. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a nice gathering spot and it's a, it's a good size so that people can enjoy whatever recreational activities they're doing that day or in that moment. Um, but yeah, I, I tend to gravitate towards, you know, parks, open spaces, things like that. This is good. Yeah. What's your favorite place? My favorite place is. Hmm. Let me what think. is your favorite place, <laughs> Wally? <laughs> oh, sorry. Can you say that again? <laughs> what is your favorite place in Portland? You know, I if I really think about it, I think my favorite place. It might be VMAC or the Portland Dance Exchange. I just love dancing. Yeah. So VMAC is like the Veritad <laughs> Musical Arts Center, I think. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, mm -hmm. VMAC. I just love the <laughs> dance studios because I love dancing, to be honest. Other than that, like, yeah, my top place is like a place where I can dance and just be free. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, but everything after that are all food places. Mm -hmm. What'd you say? I was going to say, I, I think we, we both touched on this idea where great spaces are those where you not only feel welcome, but you feel like you're thriving, right? It's like part of your identity is just thriving in that space. And everybody needs space like that, wherever they are, whether that's a city or a small town um so it just speaks to it, yeah it's just interesting and i'd be interested in hearing other people's response to this question too of like what space do you gravitate towards or what is your favorite space and why and just to hear all the different reasons and i'm sure it's going to vary so much across like age and um the different categories like that but yeah i, I think as a core principle having these spaces and asking this question is is a very interesting one i think so i think that's like well, that's like a good like not icebreaker i feel i feel like people will give you different answers depending on how well you know them mm -hmm. like once mm -hmm. you once they've exposed like their thing that like it's kind of hidden like oh i do this and i like doing it then you ask that question because then like otherwise they'll just give you like their favorite food spot you mm. know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's how i feel yeah no it's it's true i i remember once there was a um i don't know the project or the exact background but basically what happened was there were these landscape designers who were trying to design a park and instead of asking people like hey what you know what do you want to see in a park what features do you want they asked kids, like very young kids, to bring them for a show and tell an object from their home that they like to play with in parks. Mm -hmm. And the whole point of that was instead of taking 
the adult's words literally and like what do you want a jamba juice okay we're gonna give you a jamba juice <laughs> in <laughs> <It's>, a park <laughs> or whatever the use is um there's a part of our human psychology that's like all right you're bring you're bringing for show and tell your favorite toy that's like a race car but what does that represent is it like the need to try things out and like throw things against the wall or a space to experiment and I, you know, that, I think that's like a beautiful thing about this profession too, is in the work of doing engagement work with different communities, there's both the literal sense of what we have to take um, when we do this work. Mm-hmm. And then there's the more deeper psychological needs that are perhaps veiled or layered in their in people's responses that maybe they don't even know they're expressing by saying like we want a jamba juice but maybe it's like we just want a cool place to hang out um and maybe that's jamba juice maybe that's like just a community spot where people can have a barbecue or or whatever um Mm. so it's yeah the more i work in this profession the more i realize there's this whole human psychology side that we try and tap into as planners that end up in our zoning code and our regulations and kind of high and dry policies but they have really important um, roots and contexts that come from this very fundamental set of human needs and wants and desire to feel like you're thriving and you're loved and you're belonged somewhere um yeah I I think that's good you're Mm -hmm. planning from the heart yeah (laughs) that's good yeah I guess you could say that but yeah I I think you're doing this podcast is so interesting too and I I I gotta look back on on some of the other interviews of hearing what drives other people or what motivates other people for doing it but just in your time conducting these interviews Mm. Have you, have there been um, responses that stood out for you in terms of why people choose to do urban planning and the work that we do? You know, I haven't been surprised that often because I would know people before I bring them in. Mm. But one thing that I'm constantly surprised at is like the common thread, like the common sense of humanity that like, hey, I'm in this for like the greater good, you know? Or like, I wanna help make the world a better place like through my own little niche. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of cool to see. I think it's kind of cool to see that like, huh. We just had Ashton Simpson on and he's like, I want everybody to feel safe while walking, you know? Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. I think that's pretty cool. And we had, um daisy schneider she was like she's like a planning she's an expiring aspiring planning student Hmm. like she's like at that realization point where she's just now becoming like self-aware of her surroundings and she's like or at the time she was and she's like wow how do i get in this we had like anita yap and she's like i've been doing this for a long time and here's what i think here's what i've learned Mm -hmm. It's it's cool seeing people at different times in their journey and it like right. it helps like center me like okay what am I supposed to what is my role in this big thing in in the city like okay 
what does what does communication look like empathy what does yeah communication and if me it, it makes me feel good because it feels like there's stuff that i don't have to do because other people got it like i'm like okay mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah it's the city is like one big story that we're all writing together some way somehow you know either consciously or unconsciously we contribute to the space and it forms our culture it forms the way the quality of our lives it forms the relationships that we forge with other people mm. and i think if i had to explain the power of urban planning to people on the periphery or just maybe like to a younger version of myself who didn't know that this was a profession it, it would be along the same wavelength of saying that like the city is the the book where we all write our narratives and whatever that narrative is it is it's kind of a reflexive practice because you as an individual shape your environment but then your environment also shapes you and it's this dynamic that you this relationship you build with the space you're in your home your community your city and it resounds both on the micro level and the individual level but then on the institutional level on the city level as well and so having found a place or being a part of a place or contributing to a place where you can feel like you're thriving and whatever that means mm. i think that's like one of the core goals of urban planners is to tap into that psychology and to provide those spaces for people um, and that that's truly like what one of the reasons why I see this profession as so profound or so meaningful is allowing people to speak their stories and speak their truth and be authentic and find the space to do that within cities and spaces. Mm. Do you feel like you can do that in Portland or in certain parts around no. Portland? That's a good question. I it's an ever-evolving journey and it's kind of that question of like o- almost that question to me feels like do you do you find spaces where you feel like you can know yourself um being in the city and the answer is like yes i i do um but sometimes sometimes no but I, I can't explain it. It's, it's just um, maybe it's like a factor of where I am in my life right now. But it's just so hard to, there, there is no there there in this journey. It's just an ever evolving process. And I feel very lucky that I have um, a community of friends like you, Wally, <laughs> that uh, help me and like, allow me to explore myself deeper and i you know the city is a a part of that also but it's just interesting and this is just a, a run of thoughts in my mind right now but it's interesting to think about the people you meet and tie that back to like the physical space where that happens it's like for you and i we met in in school but you know like how was that possible and 
when you think back on it, it's, it's kind of incredible there. And this is what I mean is like everything in the city is planned at some point in time, someone planned it, someone drew it, someone put it on paper, mm-hmm. someone put it in code and it got built. Like whether that's the sidewalk, the tree, the house, the distance from the bus from the house, mm-hmm. all of these little details have manifested from someone's plan at some point in time. Mm-hmm. And they all have very huge unconscious mostly and conscious impacts on how we experience life. Mm-hmm. And so when we think back on like relationships that we've had with friends and other people, how much of it can we contribute to the city or like the spaces that we're in and how easy it was to meet to, to meet them. It, it's purely a thought experiment. There's no way to really like track this. I don't think. Um, There's some cool stuff, Victor. <laughs> don't get me started on it. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. But what are your thoughts? You give us a taste of this. The, the peel back the, the layer a little bit here on the cool stuff you're talking about. Okay. Well, okay. We can talk about, I like thinking about it like, okay, what about a walk shed? You know, there's a, the walk shed is like the distance, the average distance, like, oh, your walk shed is like your aggregate circle. Like if you were to, if you were to like, or if you had a map in your mind's eye and you were a dot on that map, yeah. your walk shed is all of the, like, there's a walk, there's like a distance of like about a mile to like where you could walk comfortably within like maybe five, 15 minutes. I was like, and like, a walk, and like an idea is like, what is the activity density? Mm-hmm. what are all the possible interactions you could have within that walk shed i love that so like okay if there are if you're in the suburbs right you can maybe interact with like 20 people right there's the people at mcdonald's the people at the jiffy lube mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah right depending on where you are but if you're in the central city there's literally like depending on now there's density like now there's like a multiplication factor because there's multiple levels like yeah you can you can walk a mile or you can go up to up to like the 32nd floor of like the nearby building and say hi to everybody right yeah (laughs) and so like the number like i feel like there's like a combinatorial sequence i think that it is quantifiable like i think opportunity is quantifiable Mm. like hey like i think that there's a lot of there's a lot more possible interactions for someone to meet somebody if you're mm-hmm. in a denser city just because there's more people like here importantly you throw if you if you were to throw a bucket of water from the top of a building every day a random building every day like within the central city i bet like i bet you'd hit at least two planners <laughs> for a month if you were to throw <laughs> i bet at least two planners would get wet <laughs> so hey that explains that explains all the all the times I got wet in the central city. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was cool. But basically, there's there's all these situations. So I feel like the idea of like human-centered planning is to maximize and ideally actualize like the human potential that is latent in all of us. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, this person's a dancer. Like, you don't know you're a dancer until you dance. So like, 
seeing people dance, you, you know that that draws you. Mm -hmm. like urban planning. A lot of people don't realize urban planning is a profession until like they are past puberty. I think that's a testament to planners being bad at communication. And I think a lot of planners are bad at communication because they know they're not qualified for their jobs and they don't want people competing <laughs> for their jobs. I'm, mm. I'm convinced. Ah, I'm getting hated. That's the dark side of planning here. Oh, the, the dark side of planning. As I talk to more of like the older planners, I'm like, oh, that's why. Because they didn't. <laughs> at a certain point in time it was a very cushy governmental job and yeah, nobody else knew about it then... hey that's 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 a real struggle i mean i keep saying the day i lose this feeling of almost like magic i have for this profession is probably the day i have to like switch careers or something because then at that point it truly becomes like a bureaucratic job and nothing more than that you know yeah. It's weird. Like, what is planning? Like, mm -hmm. you know, Al is the, I mean, we're getting, we're getting into it now, but like yeah. technically developers are like, they're navigating like these systems, like, okay, mm -hmm. you have a permit planner, a land use planner, but like, what are we actually like, are lawmakers planners? Cause they're writing policies that developers have to adhere to. Right. Yeah. Like, it's true. Yeah. yeah. It's weird. It's, and then you get down to like the normal citizen level which is like people have different ways of showing their aesthetic for their house and that's planning too that's like what if a whole neighborhood decides to paint their houses pink or something hmm. that's like has an impact on the neighborhood for sure hmm. yeah there are all sorts of questions like one i have so many thoughts but one thought is when we had and and still are having protests for in support of Black Lives Matter, something I noticed, especially downtown Portland, you know, we, we have all these rules and regulations in place, like street front activation, ground floor commercial, the list goes on. And then suddenly, like you snap your fingers, this big social movement happens, windows get boarded up, but then almost overnight, all this graffiti and like street art that just blossomed, you know, out of this this social movement that I find so beautiful and powerful. And that's not in the code. That's not, you know, regulated. We don't think about that as planners, but it manifested in, in space. And it's just a testament to like the balance we yield as planners of how much do we, like, what are the regulations? How much do we regulate? And then recognizing the outlet for people to express themselves in space and i just i find it beautiful it's like yeah we may know what the outcome of development is but then again sometimes no it's like sometimes overnight it could turn into something else um yeah yeah i i i always i'm glad you brought that up because like i think that's where like the delineation between planning as theory um practice and then profession goes off mm -hmm. i feel like I feel like a really good, like a city or, or maybe a department within a city or like a really good planner can like understand that like eventually people will want to do things that we will find hard to or just can't even imagine now, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're kind of just, I feel like our responsibility as a profession is to give a firm 
understandable and sustainable framework for future generations to develop to the best of their abilities, like cultivate the resources and collective imagination, mm -hmm. engineering and resources to have to like meet the needs of their day. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like with that, I feel like planning as a profession, it's kind of giving people like setting up codes such that like fire codes or, you know, like, Hey, be imaginative, but at least make sure that things don't burn down or like, here are like the standards, like mm -hmm. here's like, here's like the standards from within which to operate. Here's like the collective, I feel like the whole process of planning, like at an intergenerational level is just basically the intergenerational transfer of so of societal level knowledge where it's like mm -hmm. hey here's all that we've learned like three generations ago there was an earthquake so somewhere along the line somewhere we're gonna have to start mandating that buildings mm -hmm. at least share that they are prone to more destruction during an earthquake i know that was a political thing like i i i wish that they would have kept the erm ordinance but mm. like things of that yeah. nature i feel like that i feel like planning at its best is trans is the transfer of knowledge I, I mean i think i think that's the bare minimum i'm sorry i think the bare minimum for planning is like the intergenerational transfer of knowledge across time mm. like, like when we see when all the people have been killed from like ancient civilizations like they've all kind of died even if they weren't like how we realize like how their day-to-day -day was is by looking at their cities mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. yeah it's true mm. yeah and i i think that you don't say this explicitly but i my interpretation of it too is that results like whatever that ancient city was that shows you in a large part what the culture of that space was like Mm. and thinking more modern i think there you know w when we look at zoning code it's at least to me i'm still pretty new to it and and starting to understand them more now but they all come from somewhere and a lot of it are cultural legacies of racism and other very um unpleasant and just um oppressive lines of thinking in our society that have formed the neighborhoods that we have yeah i'm so sorry keep going you, you're on a roll bud let's go you got it. <laughs> <laughs> well and that's why i think we're on this topic of like our job as planners is to communicate and if if we're to truly compel the younger generation or the next generation to take up this field there, there has to be some massaging of this or at least like going into eye, eyes wide open of like, this is why planning is important. This yeah. is the culture that we're leaving behind and we're actively creating. And this is where it all came from. And it's, this is how it's codified and regulated. Yeah. And if we can explain it that way through visuals and examples and make it tangible and relate it back to like, hey, you see the space you're in right now? this came from somewhere like this was the legacy of so many different things. Yeah. And then it becomes a lot more relatable. And I think people would care a lot more, you know, once they realize 
how much of an influence they have on that space. More people would plan if they heard the planners <laughs> what planning was. That's that's crazy. <laughs> get get out of here. Plan get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I think you're right. It's crazy. I've had five minute conversations with people and they're like, wow, I want to be a planner now. I'm like, wow. <laughs> what? Nobody's ever told you about this. Why? Why? At a certain point, we have to wonder why, because these are very well-paid positions that like we need. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a conspiracy theorist. But anyway, <laughs> I feel like, you know, but that I don't, I put my conspiracies in my platform, so I don't have to talk about them at work. So it's very healthy. <laughs> Anyway, everybody needs their own outlet. I suggest everybody have that. Okay. Yeah. So what's awesome is, I think, going off what you were saying about, like, yeah, like, the legacy. Really, like, the legacy of, like, the city and the space. And, like, the mm -hmm. people. Actually, like, the legacy of people. Like, we build cities to house people. And people are housed because they want to do stuff and they don't want to, like, die from exposure while doing things <laughs> if they can right i don't know man i feel like at its highest expression like the city is like actualizing human potential it's like yeah it's like catalyzing everyone to like do what they want to do do what they love find their best like work find their best like leisure maybe their best partner like it's not responsible for that right but like it should just make it a little bit easier to just live exactly. and like get into like the like kind of express and explore the deeper parts of yourself yeah and like i think like i really love the idea of cities concentrating human population so we don't have to always like continue sprawling and like just like end up like the uk like not the uk in modern days but like when they like cut down all the trees on the island like mm, you know like hey we can have green space because we have density and stuff. So I, I really like that function of the city. You know? Yeah, I'm with you. And this piece about actualizing human potential or the quality of life, I, it, it, exactly. I, I think it's at the core. And maybe going full circle back to Montreal, it was the first city, at least that I've been to, where I felt close to that, if, if not like experiencing that on the day-to-day -day, just in terms of my own social and emotional thriving but mm -hmm. it's it's also beyond that it's like montreal the housing market in montreal is affordable compared to other major cities in canada yeah and it because of that it allows for people to pursue professions and jobs that are more related to their personal interests even if it doesn't if even if it's not a high wage job it's still possible to do it and to live happily yeah and that's a rare thing in markets and in cities that are getting hotter and harder to uh to survive in or to afford to even live in yes. and so it all comes back to what you're talking about this opportunity the opportunities that spaces allow you like thinking about Los Angeles, where I lived for a year, it's like, oh my God. I didn't have a car. And no. suddenly, I, why you go there? No. <laughs> and suddenly it's like, I have to take three hours of transit every day. And then opportunities just 
close themselves on you simply because you don't have a car. But yeah. what if you lived in a city where you can have a car if you want, but you can equally get access to all the things you need or wanted without a car? Like, why is that so hard to imagine? Where being in a city where you can live in like an ultra expensive house, but you can also afford a normal house or duplex or whatever and not go bankrupt. Yeah. And, and so it's all about providing options for people and our vastly different ways of describing how we live our best lives. And I think the best cities allow for that spectrum. And you're right. It all comes down to like what opportunities are afforded in a space like this or in a city like this. You're right, man. I, mm-hmm. I think you're on to something, you know, of course yeah. we're friends. So we're going to think we're, each other. <laughs> we're on the oh, same wavelength. We're biased. We're biased. We've been exposed. We, we've been, yeah, we've been hanging out a lot. <laughs> yeah. But I think, I think you're on to something. I would, I would almost expand that, you know, um, I'm going to pull a DLC and run an expansion pack on you. Oh, okay. <laughs> <I think that. laughs> oh no. I feel like, um, what should we call it? I feel like truly affordable housing gives you the ability to not have to always work. Like it allows you to like step away. Like, even if you don't like it, like, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to like, not like your job. You know, I think it's the worst thing in the world to not like your job and that's all you do. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? But like if your housing is affordable and you're only working a job that you don't like for like 20 hours a week, like maybe you don't like the job, but you like the people. Mm -hmm. Like as long as most of your life isn't spent doing something that like there's a balance, like there's always stuff that we're going to have to do, like budget, pay taxes, eat, you know, Mm -hmm. that's just, that's just life. But like, being able to have agency in your in your life like being just being able to have agency with one's life like absolutely yeah like you know i'm from atlanta and like we are almost as bad as la in terms of traffic mm. some days we're probably worse you know mm. i think we compete for like number one number two with traffic and i remember i was just I was just so mad one day. I know I don't get that angry that often, but I was just so mad. I'm like, I'm just sitting in traffic. I'm doing nothing. Like I'm doing nothing. There's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. I'm like, I couldn't make, I was never on time to anything. Cause like, <laughs> I could not plan. Like I, I like Googled, I know that you live 15 minutes away from me. Right. In, mm-hmm. in this theoretical space. Mm-hmm. and like google's telling me it's going to be 30 minutes at this point right mm-hmm. so i'm going to get into the car i'm going to start going but wait there's a football game and oh so boy everybody's leaving so that 30 minutes turns into two hours yeah and like i remember i had a job interview one day and like the president came uh-huh. and like i i was late to the interview because like the president like cleared the highway <laughs> uh, they, i mean like they were cool about it but like I didn't know the president was going to come and like, yeah, yeah. I I don't think transit stop. I don't think president doesn't even take transit, but like, I'm like, you know, it's just a weird, like to have your life be ruled by forces outside of your control. Mm -hmm. Like the degree, like the degree, there's always going to be some aspect of life where like we can't control. 
but mm-hmm. I feel like there's this, I feel like there's like this percentage. There's like this percentage at which it becomes like uncomfortable. It becomes like anxiety inducing, like Absolutely. maybe like 60%. Like if you can't control like at least half your life, like how you spend your time and like stuff, then I feel like you start getting agitated and irritable and you start like looking for those not productive outlets. Yeah. Yeah. I got two things to say. One is like, when I lived in LA, I remember leaving LA as an angrier person just oh, because yeah. you were of... angry. Oh no. <laughs> that, that's... I remember going back to Canada and I was like, Oh my gosh, I, I'm just, I feel more like a brute or something. I don't know. <laughs> were people looking at you. Who's that guy? He must be American. He was like, <laughs> this guy driving so aggressive. Um, <laughs> but I, it was simply like what you were saying, sitting in traffic, like on the bus or just being at the whims of this congestion or the city at large and not having any agency. And, you know, it's like, sure, I could not take the bus and like bike or like try running to the place I could go, but <laughs> I would get there in an even longer period of time. But my point was like, yeah, it affected me at a psychological level where I noticed in myself I was becoming a grumpier person simply because of traffic. And I'm convinced a lot of people who live in LA probably feel the same thing at some point in their lives with regards to traffic. And tying this back to this idea of autonomy and agency, I'm gonna, there's so many good nuggets here that we, we keep touching back on, but I had this thought, um, it's like, we, we all have privilege in different ways. Some people more than others, but I feel like the poorer you are, the darker your skin is, the less mistakes you're able to make in this life without falling down or without, you know, God forbid, like losing your life or anything like that. Yeah. But it's kind of the same thing in the city. It's like if you live in a city and the buses are just, the bus system is just terrible. You don't have that control anymore. Like that's one mistake you can't make if you're trying to get to a job interview on time. Yeah. And, you know, people with more privilege can make more mistakes and it wouldn't affect them, but some people can't like, they just, can't afford it either financially or time-wise or whatever to make these mistakes. And it's not your fault. It's like a lot of it just comes down to the city or the urban planning of that space. And so I think there is a really huge equity implication here, which is again, like good cities allow you options. It's like, you don't have to drive, but you can, if you want, but there would be options to get you where you have to go and not have not have such a costly uh, impact on your life or whatever would happen that day and this goes far beyond transportation it's like where you can afford food that's healthy and relevant to you where you meet people like friends and partners or whatever um so yes like again I, i think it comes back to this idea that good cities give you security And that security is provided by way of 
having options to do different things when you want them and how you want them at whatever income level you are. Um, mm. Yeah. I feel that, you know, as a community and I feel like going with what you're saying, I, I do believe like on, on average, on a larger scale, like humans will tend to like utilize what, whichever is like the lowest common denominator, whatever takes the lowest amount of energy and effort. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't need a if if you live close to your job, then like maybe you won't take and you feel safe like walking or or biking or taking transit. Like as long as you feel safe, like you won't you won't take a car trip because cars cars are very complex machines that are very expensive and mm-hmm. difficult to maintain. You know, and you, you get Russian hackers like hacking your pipeline <laughs> and you can't then then you oh gotta put your gasoline in a plastic bag, you know. Like it is, it's hard out here for 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 a car driver. It's hard. <laughs> I don't know. Oh man, mm-hmm. I got a few questions for you. I got two final questions for you. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. What is your favorite mode of transportation? Oh my gosh. And why? Okay. Yeah. I would say mine is walking, to be honest. I take a lot of walks and not that I'm, well, I don't know if this counts or not, but I I don't have a, most of the times I don't have a destination. I'm just walking for the sake of walking, but there's something about the speed of going on a leisurely walk that's very enjoyable. Like the city slows down, you have time to stop if you want to and not like cause a car crash behind you if you're on the sidewalk or whatever um and i carry my sketchbook with me so it's it's nice to you know pause and take a moment and sketch and if you hear something interesting see something interesting you can turn around or walk there Uh, so you're not so set in like if you're in a car or whatever you're kind of stuck to the the direction of the road and you're going a lot faster. So walking has become a lot more enjoyable. I think we both joke about this. Like we're all, we both feel like old men in young people's bodies sometimes. (laughs) Get these kids off our lawns. What'd you say? (laughs) Speak, you gotta say that's my my good ear. Speak, speak, speak now, that's my good ear. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, yeah. <laughs> that's 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 how walking feels like to me i'm like a slow walker i just take my time shuffling to where i need to go and um it's it's dynamic it's like it feels more possible to stop or do a number of different things when you're out on a walk yeah so that's what i'd say mm-hmm. okay my last question for you okay if you all right let's um this is just weird all right so like let's say you have like a dream position and then like or like some something something good happens in your life where they're like hey victor we want you to be like the city manager of um calgary mm. right you called gary and they're like hey no, <laughs> the, the city manager of calgary and like you have like a week left in Portland. Mm-hmm. All right, where where are you gonna go? Where where are some places you're gonna stop by before you? Oh my gosh, 
mm-hmm. if I had to leave this place. Or if it was if it was like a place if it was a situation where you weren't being forced to leave, you're like this look like let's say like Vancouver, Canada is like, man, we need Victor Tran now. He needs <laughs> he's the savior of Vancouver. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a permanent leave, but like if you knew you had to go. Yeah. Like where Oof. what are you which spots are you going to oh to like reminisce on? Ah, well, I'll say the past year has been a rough one, and I spent quite a bit of time in my neighborhood and going on walks to the Rose Garden, and it's it's kind of interesting. Like, I was there, I don't know, maybe like once or twice a week in the mornings just to watch the sunrise in the winter, and I guess it's, like, personal for me, but, you know, no, not many people are out there when the roses are not in full bloom or it's Mm -hmm. rainy and dark but just being able to see the rose garden in its dormant phase when no one is out there it felt like i was allowing myself to sit with the full volume of who i am as an individual and just soak in like wow this is life like this is who i am this is where i am in my life And it made me feel somehow okay or better that like, yeah, life isn't all rosy, you know, all the time. Oh, (laughs) Pull the Wally there. Um, But I probably go there now that the roses are actually in bloom and just take it in like, okay, things change, like seasons come and go. Emotions are all over the place and they're all part of this crazy journey we call life so i probably find a few places like that where i can go to and think back on the full spectrum of experiences and feelings that might have come to me or thoughts um, that allowed me to be more who i am and in touch with myself and just Mm. like appreciate those moments I had you know whether they're sunny days or not um so that's one thing and then I'd want to throw a big party <laughs> yeah with, with all the all the cool people and friends and um celebrate that way that'd be great let's let's throw a break dance jam let's call it breaking quarantine throw it on June 26th Oh, we could do that, Victor. You know, <laughs> I like this idea. I like Let's this idea. I will, I will participate, and you, you throw the jam. We'll get the word out there. It'll be good. We'll, we'll find sponsors, right, Wally? Yes, we we had, we got another sponsor today. It was I. I've never met this person. I don't think I'm. I hope I've never met. I don't know. Oh gosh, I'm so bad with names. <laughs> but we got another sponsor today so nice i feel good that's good this is good i thank you so much victor this is this has been a great this has been a great day uh victor trent oh let me tell you yeah the funny thing about the rose garden yeah is it's always exactly what it says it is you know the rose garden even when there aren't roses, because they're arranged in rows, it's always the rose. Garden. Oh, boy. That's how I like to see it. I like to, you know, life gave me lemons, making lemonade. 
that's that's like life gave you lemons and you you're just like it's a lemon no matter what you know <laughs> it's like it, it's a rose garden it's a rose no matter what yes <laughs> they are in rose right that's cool they are no you're right it's a good sketching spot for anyone that's looking for a sketching spot but um, i don't know about that man that sounds pretty sketchy i don't, pretty I don't sketchy. know pretty <laughs> and we're getting ridiculous because we, we always think it. it's the end of the day we both just ate some good food we're on another level of thinking oh yeah oh yeah Let's oh yeah Okay. In this economy, <laughs> this economy, I don't, I don't know. Shout out, to, shout out to Katie and her friends. <laughs> I don't know what we're gonna do in this economy. Well, the, the economy is coming back. You know, the interest rates are going up, or they mm-hmm. might. I don't know. And Janet's always yelling about it. So I don't, I don't know. That's the, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if people will catch that. <laughs> I'm not gonna explain it. I'm gonna let them be like, what? What does that mean? I don't know what that means. I just think it's funny. Well, I'll tell you. Um, okay. Our 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 chair, one of our chairs, is uh, Janet Yellen, and so she's like the she's like I think she oversees. She's like the money person right now. I think she's the chair of the Fed of the Federal Reserve right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. But you're saying she's always Yellen. Yeah, but her her name is just Yellen. She's the Secretary of the Treasury. Gotcha. Yeah. And I, so yeah, it's, it's weird. It's weird. A lot of weird stuff's about to happen. Like after COVID, it's like, if the economy does better, there may be higher interest rates. If there's higher interest rates, then people might like reduce spending and stuff. But yeah. will they, if we're all using crypto, I don't know. <laughs> Bitcoin, Dogecoin, I don't know. We'll yeah, see. this crazy adventure called life just keeps going and it's one grand experiment so yeah it's kind of cool because we get to we get to take breaks sometime hey there it is yep it's gonna be good it's gonna be good it is good it is good yeah so thank you victor tran um partner of cascadia a cascadia pie you're an associate of (laughs) and then um um yeah, friend of the library, Multnomah County Libraries, um, one of the board members of the New, New Portland News Policy Commission. Okay. Got yeah. it. No, you that's... do a lot, man. <laughs> oh, I... That's good yeah. for me, man. I do a lot. <laughs> I think we, lot, we, we, we bounce off each other. That's yeah. what I like about our friendship. It is good. I'm yeah. so... I'm glad. I'm glad we're friends. I'm glad we got yeah, to man. Yeah, this is great. Thanks for having me. Good questions. That was a good back and forth there. I think we, I don't, I don't know if we've ever actually had this conversation, to be honest, about like why we do the work we do and why we're interested in it. So I'm glad we got some dedicated time to really drill down on it and talk about those higher level inspirations or at the core level, like why we're doing this stuff. Um, So I'm grateful for that. It's, a nice Thursday here in Portland, Oregon, and I just keep good company. Yeah, and you know, next time we're gonna eat some bows. Um, shout out to PDX Bow Buddies for sponsoring P- this video. <laughs> That's PDX underscore Bow Buddies. 
Yes. Oh yeah. Bow buddies. It's about to go down. So oh. Check out bow buddies. Ooh. PDX underscore B A O buddies. That's right. Okay. That's right. On Instagram, and and we'll do it. For those that think it's a random plug, it is a random plug, but check it out anyways. Yeah. Victor makes bows. He makes um he makes bows and they're pretty good. He has the dumplings. That's it. That's it. Okay. Well, thanks, Wally. Proceeds, right? Yeah, I gotta do that. <laughs> Maybe tonight. I, I gotta I did a well just really quickly. There's a fundraiser in April. Over a hundred bows were made. Okay. Sold them to friends. Mm-hmm. Use the money and gonna donate them to two anti-hate organizations locally here in Portland to raise awareness and to you know spread good food and love and keep good company. That's great. So if you're a hungry person with bowels, reach out to Victor. If you are an accountant who can help us uh, launder this money to nonprofit organizations, please let us know. Legally launder. Okay. Legally. <laughs> Legally. <That's> <laughs> <right>. <laughs> I would say legally donate. I'm sorry. I the, the clothes should be clean. Legally laundered. Legally. Legally. Legally sponsor anti-hate. Thank you so much, Victor Train. Yeah. All right, we'll see you soon. Okay, see you, Molly. Probably see you tomorrow. (laughs) See you tomorrow. We we are hanging out tomorrow. (laughs) See you tomorrow. All right. All right, see you, man. I love you. I love you too, man. Okay, bye.